Welcome to TC Tiawi Talks, Tia Chucha Centro Cultural, located on Tataviam land in the northeast San Fernando Valley, is rooted in ancestral knowledge, culture, the arts, literacy, and social justice as a means to personal and communal transformation. It is a place where hearts and minds have united for change for over 19 years. Join us as we share the stories of personal transformation and our understanding of the world that unites us as a community. We must remember that another world has always been possible. Tiawi, a Nahuatl word for adelante, to move forward. Like a spiral, together we move towards a better future, cognizant of the resiliency we carry from our past. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of TC Tiawi Talks. My name is Michael Centeno. I'll be your host for this episode, and I'm very excited to be speaking with our co-founder um, and longtime, you know, leader of the HHS, uh, Trini Rodriguez. Hi, Trini. Good morning. How are you doing today? Good morning. It's really good to be here. And I'm so excited that there's Tiawi Talks. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, when we started talking about this, we were just talking about how we could speak to various people, you know, people, and just kind of really let people know what the HHS is and what we do and speak to the people involved and, you know, kind of talk about what's going on and how we really look at the HHS as, as a as to address kind of you know some of these issues, and I felt that it would be great to speak, sit down, and speak with you, one as a co-founder, but then two as someone who has really led the organization for you know was sixteen, seventeen years, um, and really like not not I feel you know working so closely with you and being so close to you, I don't feel a lot of people know you or like know what that one what it takes what is what what it's taken you know how much effort sacrifice um but also just know you as a person as a leader um you know as a as a very significant person in the community and the san fernando valley so i was just very excited to kind of speak to you about all that stuff so but i wanted to start by just just Maybe just if you could just tell us a little bit about like, you know, growing up uh, in in Pacoima, in this community, um, what was that like? What were some of your early early memories like? Um, what do you remember growing up in this area? Pacoima is a very interesting space. And the, the good thing about Pacoima is that now there's even a historical society that can, you know, really share a lot more than what we even were aware of as we grew up there, but um, but it's it's a it's an interesting place in that um, it was redlined and it was not allowed for uh, people of color in a lot of areas to to buy houses, and I always wondered how it was that my dad was able to to buy a house, which by the way only cost if I'm right it was it only cost $13,000 and that is unheard of now you can't even buy a car sometimes for that much um, so it we were just very lucky we we ended up there with again a lot of other people that um, were basically working class and um, and you know the our neighbors to the left were white our neighbors to the right were mexican our neighbors behind us were black so we were quite an integrated area and of course the schools were that way all the way uh, from my elementary to junior to high school so um 
and again, we know that that um, communities that are that are uh, working class communities, a lot of times they're they're relied on just like today as essential workers, but they're not necessarily well taken care of. And so that's a long-standing issue that that we're we're addressing today, uh, pretty directly. Um, so that um, yeah, I I I was uh, I was grew up in a pretty traditional family, and um, and that also included um, things that knowing now uh, what we call traditional uh, in in many ways was not traditional originally in Mexico, traditions have changed, you know, and again, the overlay of having, um, you know, Mexico having been taken over by, by foreign people and, um, and pretty much obliterating a lot of the, the indigenous ways and traditional, real, really original ways. Um, a lot of that ended up encroaching on, on, on the understanding of what women and what what feminine energy is, and um, so in our household, um, that played out in the sense that there were roles that women would play and that men would play that were very very distinct. The expectations were very distinct, and so in our house, um, yeah, we had very very uh, clear roles, and they were very very different. The, how many? How many brother, how, What was the ratio of men to women in the house? And then in total, the, okay. we beat the men by one. No, there was six women and five, 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 five females. I six females and and five males. But um, but yeah, but it was uh, it was pretty clear growing up that um, that the the males had a lot more freedom, a lot more options, a lot more expectations on what they could become in the world. And for the women, it was more like, well, you're going to grow up and you're going to be a, um, uh, a mother, you're going to be a housewife, you're going to be a, a, you know, caretaker, basically. And, um, and, and that's all fine. Um, because that's an aspect of what we are. But I, but I think that the, the issue is that to limit people to, to, to conceive of themselves um, in a reduced way is um, that's the problem. So, um, so yeah, that's the kind of uh, household I grew up in. And, and that's not to say that we weren't cared for or that right. we weren't provided for because we were. Um, it's just uh, the conception of ourselves was, was very uh, limited. And I, do you feel do you feel that you're conscious of that at the time, or do you feel like it's something that you look back at and see how yeah. that influenced? I, I had to look back at it. In fact, um, like most things, when you're growing up and being conditioned a certain way, because you're being conditioned, you're not aware. That's the whole point of conditioning. You you become you adopt it as your own, and and you don't even understand sometimes why you have the the feelings or the or the thoughts or the or the um, yeah the view the views that we have, so so it takes a lot of consciousness to get past that uh, or through that, and um, and so that was that was the case for me. I didn't I didn't really see that until actually I um, I was um, enticed into going into college because it wasn't even my idea. Um, it was the Chicano movement that that was recruiting people. 
a friend of my brother's was the one that uh, came to our house and, um, you know, was trying to see if I could get into the local colleges or, or just in, you know, get scholarships to go to college. And because my brother, my oldest brother, had already been accepted to UCLA. And so, you know, the assumption was, well, of course she can. And I had really good grades. I was, um, um, I want to say I, I, I got good grades. I, I'm not saying that I was a, an, a really um, inspired student. I was a very dedicated student. So if you dedicate yourself to anything, you pretty much pull off anything. But um, but again, um, but I I I say that to to say that I wasn't very imaginative about what my my possibilities were. So that had to come later. And um, and so yeah, I uh, I got recruited into college, and that whole experience of of um, you know being aware, becoming aware of the civil rights movement of of um, not just um, for for blacks, but also for for um, us as um, brown people, we we really it was really a, a good thing that that happened because it woke us up to a lot of our potential and also a lot of the the impact of history and and discrimination and all the things that we still again still have to deal with today. So it was. Um, it was a good time to grow up, and it was I, I I'm really actually grateful. Uh, some of the struggles that that I had to go through to to get through college and to um, to do what I do now, they all took struggle. They all did. But uh, but again, I think um, it's a reminder that that even though things are hard, it's also uh, good to know that our capacities are are always there but we have to remove some things in order to be able to to um to draw them out and so that's that's been pretty much the uh the course in a lot of different arenas both in my personal life but also in my um you know community life and in my um professional life that i've had to do i've had to uncover and undo a lot of um uh, wrong thinking and mostly limit, limited thinking. So good. What what was your what was your sense of identity before going into college and then being exposed to that environment and just everything that was going on at that at that time? You know, um, because of the particulars of my situation, and it had it's just just very particular to. To my uh, place in the family and my having grown up with grandparents and then transferring to live with my own parents, um, it just colored everything in a way that uh, made me question my my very belonging. And so, um, and so that would explain a lot of why I didn't really dream. I didn't dream of what I could be or or wanted to be because. The first thing you have to do before you can actually even dream is to first belong and to feel like you belong. And I had such a struggle to belong and to um, to know that I had a worthy place that I that I wasn't able to um, dream. I couldn't dream. 
so but what did you what did you identify as when you when you were before you went into college and you went into college like did you identify like as a as a chicana did you identify as mexican were those you i know? Mm-hmm. oh i see your question yeah it was um i was definitely very aware that um that i was mexican um without understanding that I was that Mexican American if you want to put it that way. Um I just I just knew that our family when you look at what's in the books, when you look at who's teaching, uh who the professionals are, who's at the banks, who's at the stores, who runs everything, I knew we were Mexican because Mexicans were not in charge. And um and that was uh again that's part of the conditioning. And one story that I um that I I told that I think is really telling because it it um it just goes to show how how deep the thing goes. My dad and my uncle both helped build San Fernando Valley State College, which is where I ended up going to school that became uh Cal State Northridge. They helped build it and the only way that I knew that it was just by chance that my dad, uh, because I had to commute to college, um, my dad one day was giving me a ride to college, and very rarely would we talk in the car. He was a very quiet man and reserved, just like in many ways I am. And um, and for some reason, there must have been some construction going on because it probably just um, uh, prompted him to say, "Oh, do you know that your that your Theo and I helped build this college?" And it just really struck me that this is the college that my mom and dad said I, you know, the college was not for me, and yet my dad had built it. And so it just goes to show this idea that you you had your place and you weren't supposed to step out of it, but yet you were essential enough to build things, create things, but it wasn't for you. And that really um, struck me as something so unconscious on his part, uh, because I I wouldn't say he was a mean person. He was just a product of his time, just like I was a product of my time. And you have to shake yourself from those um from those constraints. And and I'm sure when he told me that, he didn't tell me that to try to make me aware that, oh, and therefore you deserve it because I built it. He was yeah. trying to say, just so you know, we helped build that. Right. Uh, he he did a number of things. He was in construction for a while, um, and just before he retired, he ended up deciding he'd, he he left it and he ended up doing gardening. Um, he wanted to be in charge of things, but uh, the the way um, it wasn't something that um, that usually people did. We didn't strike out and try to um, make our own be our own uh bosses if you want to say but um but yeah it's interesting that he he had a lot of um i think he did dream he did dream then again he was male so that that i i think kind of contributes to that but but even him and and our whole communities were were kind of tapped down in the sense of yeah you can only go so far and don't don't get don't think too big you're not supposed mm. to. and then when when do you feel that you're kind of like 
activism was awakened? Was it during that time period in, oh, in yes. college? Yes, very much. Um, Chicano studies was a big, big factor in how we were able to see ourselves differently. Because once you, once you start finding out what your history is and the reasons why uh, we're in the positions that we are, that it's not something of our own doing, but it's something that, that's been imposed, and then you find out what your capacities were before that happened, you know, the, the civilizations that, that our um, you know, ancestors came from, you realize that it's, uh, it's, it's all by design. And so the question is, how, how do you pick up that thread and, and take it further? And again, too, because this was a time when there was a lot of questioning. It was the time of questioning the, um, the war in Vietnam. And we know from the Chicano moratorium, the biggest you know, uh, demonstration against the war um, here in the United States. And, uh, and just knowing that that there was such a questioning of how things could be as opposed to how things were with in Latin America, in yeah. Cuba, in all these places. It started really sparking our imagination for uh, what, what people could do and would dare to do. And that was huge. And of course, we also know that, um, you know, with, with uh, Cesar Chavez and the whole farm worker movement. My dad used to be a farm worker as well before he got into these other things, along with my grandfather. Um, and the whole idea that, uh, again, essential workers would have rights, could be unionized, should have, um, you know, safety on the work, in the workplace and dignity, that was a big deal. And, um, and, so yeah, it was it was something that really rung really strong with me. That uh, not only was it necessary, but I wanted to be a part of doing something about it. So I did become very active. And do you remember what your your first Chicano Studies class and, the, and who taught um, it? Mm -hmm. Well, one of the one of the classes that I that I always remember having um, just feeling really lucky about is I was taught by by Rudy Acuna, by, um, by also um, Jorge Garcia, by um, Fermin Herrera, by, you know, a lot of the originals, they were the originals when, when yeah. Chicano Studies um, started at CSUN. And so I was really lucky and I always have to thank, and, and I can't thank him enough, Rudy Acuna, as strong and as, as um, as just a critical thinker that he is, he also had a part of him that I, I will always be grateful for. And that's, I think, the feminine part of him. And that is, there was one time I was, um, I was taking a test and it was one of those finals tests, uh, either midterm or final, it was an important test and it was pretty decisive. And for some reason I felt the pressure so much that I thought, you know, I, I, and I was uh, concerned about other things and so I wasn't focusing and I wasn't doing, I, I just couldn't get into the test. And I thought, you know, I'm really going to blow it. I can't do this. I don't belong in college. I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, it was my first semester. And, um, and, and I decided, uh, okay, I'm walking out of the test. So I go to, I go to Rudy Acuna and I tell him, 
I can't do this. I, I have to leave. Um, I can't do this class. And he looked at me and he says, no, come here. So he, he walked me over and I, I forget if we went to a side room or what we did, but he looked at me and he said, no, you can do this and you will do this. You just can't do it today. So if you, if you, if you can't do it today, don't worry, you can do it another day. In other words, the test. So it was, um, it was an example of, of the heart that it takes to see somebody in, their, in the moment, respond to them in what, with what they need, and not judge them and help them see themselves more fully than they can see themselves at that, at that time. And to me, that was a big, big, um, it never happened again. And of course, I graduated. I graduated cum laude, which was a big deal for me. And um, and I I really have to say that it was those times when we self sabotage, when we when we um, when we think we can do less than we actually can, and that's when we need somebody to remind us that that the way we're seeing ourselves in that moment is not our full capacity. It's a diminished capacity. And they have to let help us through. So I don't know. I think that that, that was the, the major contribution of Chicano studies. Here was a department that was created specially to allow for the recruitment and the and the um, the assistance for a whole influx of people who had never been allowed higher education to finally be in higher education so that we could be the teachers and we could be the doctors and we could be the, the uh, therapists and we could be all the things that we needed in our communities, um, certainly in a different form than we had than had existed in our, you know, old culture, because we had all those things before too. We had curanderos and, and, and um, poets and, 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 you know, just everything, but, but, that whole it was all wiped out when you look at the the way that we were what we were seeing here we weren't seeing ourselves reflected in those roles so um it was it was really good that there was uh chicano studies to help us kind of bridge that gap of possibility that wouldn't have happened if we didn't have uh thinking and dedicated and and people with heart to help us through that process. It was a it was a huge undoing of the wrongs to to be able to have um, education that we could see ourselves in and learn from and become more as a result. So that was uh, really good. And I was also part of something called Operation Chicano Teacher, which is a program again, designed by Rudy Acuna, that was basically going to turn out a whole fleet, one after another after another, of groups of Chicanos who were going to be the, you know, the teachers from elementary to, to, um, to high school. And but we were going to, we knew that what we were doing was getting this education so we could go back into the community and be the teachers that we should have had because when we were going to school we didn't have bilingual education and that's what we we were trained to do we were bilingual biculturally trained to come back and serve our community and um, 
And when we were going to school, it was not, I, we were punished. Um, yeah. yeah, it was, it was not a pretty sight. Wow. That's amazing. And I think that's really like, uh, inspiring to hear, um, you know, how that had such an influence on you and just imagining how many other people it influenced and the impact that it had that it's not really talked about a lot, I feel, or, you know, obviously it wasn't really measured. Um, but it's like so, so huge, right? And we see it, gener- it takes generations it to see the, the impact and how that has been able to transform our communities and the pot and the positive. Um, at that time, were you, were you exposed to the arts at all? Um, it was, it was integrated into, I remember taking, um, um, Nahuatl classes with Fermin and, and, um, and whole, you know, the, the, I forget what he called it, but it was the whole cosmology of the philosophy of of Mexica culture. And, and now I recognize that, wow, that was really that was really advanced, you know. That it's, yes, ahead of its time. It was, it was. And um, so I'm glad I was able to participate in that. I even took this, um, this dance. It was, um, it was dancing pre-Columbian dance. It was yeah. interesting. And, um, yeah, but it wasn't danza as we know it. It was, it was more stylized. It was interesting. And, yeah. uh, but, yeah, the arts uh, were the murals were everywhere. There was a lot of um, there was a lot of poetry in the in the way that demands were done, and there was a lot of culture too. The Chicano house was a big deal. That was like our our center point. It was the heart of where we would go to, to as a hub to meet and to. And to sort things out and to organize, and I was on uh, on the newspaper called El Popo, and I uh, and I started to to write for that magazine, um, out of out of CSUN. So there was a lot of things that I wouldn't I would not have done had I not gone to college. So with that, would you look back and consider that to be like the biggest or one of the biggest like kind of trend, you know key points um, in your life to kind of like you know, that sets the course for, for everything to come after. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a, uh, an acknowledgement that um, I had a very social justice um, kind of need in me to, to be a part of that because it spoke really strongly, really strongly. And, um, and I think it's just, to me, social justice is another just another way of saying um, that you want you want good for your community because we deserve it and because because there's a, there's a cherishing that that we should be taken care of and we should do it for each other in a good way and um, and so I think that, that that's where it comes from of that's a, and that's a very deep rooted thing. It's not something that started there. It's something that we carry, that I that I think uh, just got gets woken woken up when it's um when it's fit. You know, I think it was interesting that you brought up how you know that story with Rudy Acuna and that test, because when I think about when I reflect upon like I, I know we 
talked a lot about not necessarily having the experience to, you know, th that you're thrown into in some ways, uh, into this position of, of really leading yeah, Chuchas as a, as a business, as an organization for so many years, but not having that experience to do so or not having the confidence or mm -hmm. the skill set. But I, when I reflect upon it, I feel like what you did bring to it, even though maybe you didn't have those skills or that experience, I think what you were able to bring to it was that ability to see everybody and see the community, you know? Um, and I think that those values, right, to have certain values and to see people as who they are um, and what they could bring um, to lead with like compassion and humility and not, and not be just another institution. Whereas if you probably had that experience, like we wouldn't, you know, you would, you would come from it from a different point of view. And I think when you look at the longevity of the organization, how it's been able to stand for so long, it's rooted in, you know, like we were briefly talking about in this, before the inception of all the spaces, it was always blessed, right? Um, mm -hmm. You always brought in the elders to, to, to bless us, to say prayers, to not that acknowledgement, right? Um, but then also, again, just like the values that I think, you know, were so important to us uh, and have always been shared to maintain a certain value um, and integrity of the organization. And although maybe we didn't, um, you know, we're, we didn't achieve certain goals that we wanted or we didn't grow as we wanted, we grew steadily and strongly. Um, and we still maintain like who we, who we are and not compromise that, you know? And I think that's really, really important. So it's interesting when you talk about that story with Rudy, because then I see that. <laughs> Of that has influenced your, or possibly, you know, unconsciously or consciously influenced way in which you approach working with community and working with, you know, um, in your role. So I, I kind of want to segue into that. There's a lot of, we could talk about, and I want to talk about your life and other things, but segueing into that role, um, I mean, looking back on it and having reflected so much time and a significant part of your life, um, was made up of, you know, leading the organization, leading the Chichas. Um, when you look back on it, I mean, do you, do you feel that, I mean, do you look at it in that sense of like looking at it as, I know it's hard to like be, you know, you know, but you did, you did, you did. We're here because of you, you know, we're here because of your work, obviously other people, but you played a, a critical role in that. So I'm just curious, like, have you thought about like what that meant to be um, a leader? Because I know for a long time you didn't want to, you know, mm -hmm. take that title. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. It's uh, sometimes I wonder how much to say out loud because I realize uh, it could it could color um, the wrong. Uh, judgment of what Dia Chuchas is capable of if you measure it by me. Because I think, like you said, it is, uh, Dia Chuchas is largely uh, a sacrifice of love, really. Um, a lot of people put into Dia Chuchas with time, with with energy, with their ideas, with 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 their not giving up on it all those things and it took a lot of people to do that 
and um and so you're right it it was um it was a humbling experience but i think that that's been true throughout my life uh it was uh i had questions when i became a teacher i had questions when i became an interpreter i had questions when i uh became a mom uh and i always always questioning whether you can do it right but i think part of the problem is um i think it's a it's it's the wrong way to look at it if we realize that each of us brings a set of things and we call them gifts or energies particular energies that are ours and if we carry them with a sense of um gratitude i guess that they're ours then then it's it's also possible to look at other people and know that they may have different ones but they're also just as sacred and and needed as ours and so it's not about measuring oh i don't have that they have that i wish i had that which i did for a long time the form i would get caught up in oh i need to be able to speak the way they do or i need to be able to um be confident the way they do or i need to be doing things the way they do and the fact is that um that yeah that would be helpful <laughs> but it may not always be necessary if if we keep perspective that what we bring is needed and then we offer that and and so i think it's a difference between uh some people uh i think it's important to distinguish between um humility and humbleness because humiliation usually means that you're being seen uh and by comparison somehow being put down and i don't mean to put yourself down but to check ourselves and and be humbled by the fact that there's so much the 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 needs are so big that they could be overwhelming and yet to humble ourselves knowing that we don't know how to do it all but if we if we like you said if we bring in um elders to bless the space which we always have uh to try to get the right energies and and call in the right people and attract the right people by and by right i mean people who will help um uh, do what needs to be done then then we don't have to feel badly um we just need to be humbled knowing that we hold a piece of the puzzle but we don't hold the whole thing which is the which is the whole community the whole community holds the whole thing not any one of us holds the whole we're part of the whole so um yeah i think it um it helps to to be reminded of that and i there were times when i when it was really difficult a lot of just because of the nature of um of finances and you know when you don't have and and we know this living in communities and being working class we know that when we have uh when it's really tight the first thing that we start questioning is, is ourselves what did i do wrong how come we don't have it 
why 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 is it so hard maybe maybe something's wrong with me and all those dumb questions that start coming and then we realize wait a minute hold strong you know figure it out don't get stuck in the hole climb out of the hole see where the light is see where the help is see where whatever and then we'll get through it but if we but if we get stuck in the in the um the deficit thinking then we're then we won't get out but if we get into the asset thinking which is again i think a very indigenous way of looking at things abundance is everywhere do we are we looking for it are we calling it in are we are we um being grateful for the for what we have and then using it well that's we will get through it but there were times i have to say there were times when i really thought no i can't do this because it because I couldn't pull it off, but um, and yet now, uh, leading up to where we are now, I think it's also part of uh, growth and recognizing not just our own particular stages of development, but also when we're aware and we can appreciate the development of others, then it, then it's really important to look around and say, okay, okay, I took it this far. But there's new there's new skills and there's new energies and there's new uh, contributors and there's new leaders and leadership that's required that can take it farther and perhaps better than I could. So it's really important again to humble ourselves to say it's not about me. It's about the taking care of the the whole mission and the organization that's doing it and appreciating the people who are stepping up because it is a difficult thing. And so the question is not so much to insist on having a, a particular role, but to to keep our eyes open and not not blind ourselves to thinking that it's about us, but rather it's about seeing how to gather what's needed so that so that uh, people can step into their roles because they're going to have their their doubts and their confusions and stuff like that because everybody's human, but but to let it let it go in a way where we don't abandon it, but rather um, pass it on and still have some relationship to it because some of it even like now to just learn from the experience of before uh, without having to uh, replicate it or hold it back. Because I think holding on to a position longer than we can serve it well or properly or with the energy that it takes is, um, is a disservice. So it was a, in 2017 when I let go of the um, executive um, leadership position which is true, I never liked to call myself the executive director because it was like, no, that's too huge, that's too big. And yet when we look back, oh yeah, we were doing executive work, but, um, but it's the title sometimes that seems overwhelming. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was really good to, to know that it was time and also that people were in place. And you and Melissa in particular, but yeah, the, the entire staff is just, incredible and and the way it's being held is really really good too so um yeah it's it's a good feeling because it is it is kind of like going full circle you start something 
you you develop it, you see where you are in relationship to it, and then you also know how long do you need to hold on to it in the same way and how can you hold on to it differently and still be there for it. Because it's kind of like parenting. Kids are not always going to need you in the same way their whole life. Initially, they need you a ton. But 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 if we're parenting well, we're going to look at look at the particulars of where they are in their development, provide for that to, so that it keeps getting stronger and stronger because eventually they're going to be, uh, they should be in a position to be on their own um, and on their own is its own, you know, it takes a, different, a lot of different forms. I don't mean out of the house or whatever. It just means being able to stand and contribute as an equal because they're strong enough and they're in a, and they're, we've taught them enough so that they can. And, um, and that's a, that's a really, again, that's also a very uh, delicate thing because it involves feelings, it involves all kinds of things, but if we don't get in the way, it'll be healthier for them, for us, so that, so that we don't um, insist on things be the, being the way they always were, as opposed to the way it's better so that it can continue to evolve. And I mean, being in that position for so long, what was that? What was that transition like? Once you were able to let go of some of those responsibilities, obviously you're still very much involved with the organization, but not in the in the day to day that was required of you before. And like, what did that uh, transition allow for you to kind of focus on? And where where did you shift uh, some of that energy? Well, you know, um, it's it's interesting that um, it takes a lot of wrapping around your head, like what does it mean? Because there's no blueprint and you don't know how to do it. It's it's like walking into an empty room and you don't know what to do anymore because your whole time used to be that. And now and now you have options, but you but you but you don't have the habits or the practice or the um. I don't know. I it took me a while to know what to do with myself. Yeah. And and again, this thing of dreaming too. Um, it takes practice to even engage in in reimagining yourself, your role, your possibilities. And so it took me a long time, and it's still um, I'm still creating it now. Uh, what am I available for? Uh, what is my best use of whatever I carry? Um, and so, yeah. And part of the thing is I have to also very consciously not get in the middle of stuff because the habit can be really hard to break. When you're used to doing something, it's almost like being on automatic. And, and I know that I've had to really consciously say, nope, they can do it. They're in charge. They're good. <laughs> and, and, and try not to... Um, not to interject or or offer because if I wait long enough, I'll I'll watch it and I'll see. Yeah, see, they got it. I didn't need to say anything. So it's really it's really an interesting thing to. It takes discipline, 
and uh, and sometimes that can be uncomfortable because you have to really be patient with yourself. Not not necessarily with the others. Everybody else is fine, but it's with yeah. yourself. So. Well, it's such a. I mean, it's you know, eighteen years, seventeen years, whatever it was. I mean, that's that's your life, you know, day in day out. Mm-hmm. I can imagine it's. Yeah. But now I, I do a lot more things that have to do with something that I was involved in her time also with the HHS. I've always been involved with ceremony and um, and healing work. And so, I'm you know, I have more, more time. I'm called on to do those kind of things more often. Um, I can't say that it's been taking the form that I would have expected, but then again, things are going to shape themselves the way that they are. And, um, and yeah, so, and, and just being more available for whatever is required here, um, just at home, because everything, everything changes. So, yeah. And what do you, what do you look forward to in the future for yourself? What are some things that you, that you are dreaming about now? Mm. Um, I, I'm trying to be careful not to, uh, part of dreaming is, is to, is to lead with the heart in terms of, and also to ask what you really need as opposed to what you want, because sometimes what you want isn't what you need. Mm. So I've been, I've been trying to be more open to, Things showing themselves based on what, not not on some preconceived idea of what I think should happen, but what uh, what presents itself, and then opening myself to that. And what I mean by that is part of um, part of the thing that I've had to break, just personally, has been um, a lot of fear-based thinking. And again, I think it's it's not just women, but I think it's in well, I won't speak for other women, but um, but for a, for a lot of uh, us, if we haven't had positive experiences with um, with new things, or or if we have trouble taking on new things, or changing course, or just changing, uh, sometimes it's because we fear um, being, even though we know that that's really important to take your place and have your role um, is something we fight for. But if we don't have experience with it, it feels like, yeah, but if I, but if I for instance, speaking in public, that's always been a very difficult thing for me. Uh, I prefer I prefer small circles. I prefer uh, one-to-one where I feel like I can, I can just say what I need to say and not be so concerned. But... Um, but I think it's um, it's interesting that that the, that fear would be a, a factor. And what I've learned is the more I I go ahead and do something regardless of whether I'm afraid, I find that I didn't have the basis to be afraid. And more and more and more, that's being the case. And so it's it's a it's a kind of a liberating thing. Because then you realize how much of holding back is us holding ourselves back, and which feels a lot better than somebody else holding you back. <laughs> so, anyway, but um, but yeah, it's 
um, but I, I find that young people, younger people, are um, are not quite as hampered by that. I, at least it doesn't seem to be that they're. I think it might be a generational thing, and good. Yeah, it's a good thing that it's uh, you know it's not as as common. But um, but I also realize that because of the insecurity of the way that um, you know financial insecurities. Um, housing insecurities, uh, just even the environment being being in the state that it is, it, it just cloaks everything with insecurity. So fears are shifting. Maybe it's not individual. Now it's more social. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's going to require social coming together to get over it. It's not going to be done by individuals. I think it's going to have to be social. Uh, that's just my view. But, um, but, but we're here. And I think we can do it. So, yeah. So I, um, I hope I answered your question. Is there anything that you want to share that you're working on, or that you would like to share? Well, um, I am working on a memoir, and uh, as of a year, it's been a year now uh, that I really, actually, it was twenty. I think it was 2015 where I wrote myself a note, I have to write my memoir. And now it's 2020 and I wrote, I, it's, it's pretty much done and now I'm, I'm oh. getting one, one person look at it so that they can tell me, okay, do I need to, is there more that I need to write? Is it, is it done? Uh, how do I close it? Um, because I need to wrap it up. And yeah. That, yeah and that's just, um, my whole growing up years and kind of what shaped me the part up to the part where I needed, where I broke, where basically I left home and, um, and yeah, and maybe an epilogue will wrap it up because there's way too much to write. <laughs> so are you, are you, is it only up to that point? Is it up to that? It's like the whole memory to a certain that per, point in time. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. It's not my whole life. It's just yeah. uh, my my formation, basically, what kind of explains. I didn't know it was done. I didn't know you were finished. Yeah, and I'm I'm hoping that I'm finished. Like I say, there's there's one person who um, who's taking a look at it. She's written a book, and uh, she she offered to do it, and I thought, okay. So. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Congratulations. And, and Louis keeps telling me. Louis, by the way, is my husband. Uh, Luis Rodriguez, who if you is don't know. of Theatricas, <laughs> and, and it wouldn't be complete to say um, that I couldn't have done it without, without Louis. I couldn't. There's just no way. He was so critical to every aspect of the complement of what I couldn't do, he could do, and that was... Um, I think it's always been true, not just in our life in the world, but also at home. We complement each other, which mm -hmm. is, uh, I think I'm really, I'm just so thankful for. It hasn't always been something that I was clear on, that that's in fact what it was. But he's also suggested to me, because that turns out I have a, a lot of poetry too. And I never considered putting it out. And he says, he's suggesting that I, that I actually put it out. So I, I may do that because when I look back, there is quite a bit of writing too. So I may do Possibly. that. 
Yeah, that's great. Um, I mean, definitely, I, I want I would love to talk about more about that, and I think there's definitely a lot a lot to talk about and explore in conversation with you. I, I think we're coming up on our time now, which has gone by so so quick. But I think in the, in the, like you mentioned, you all showed up. You show up differently, or that work to show for it. I think you have a large community of people that you've had a profound impact on their lives. Beyond myself and the staff at the HHS, there's so many people that you've impacted just by your leadership and what you've been able to do with the HHS. So I feel like that is really like the what you have to show for it, you know. And I and I think that. I wish we could see more of that. I don't know how that could look like, but it's there. And you know it's there. Other people know it's there. So I, I think that's important. You mean, you know, it's just different. That's all. But uh, You know, I really appreciate that because um, sometimes we can't see ourselves other than through how other people see us. Yeah. And, and of course, we're, we're not on the other side. So, but it's, it's, it's heartwarming to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, like Angie said, we're the Chucha kids. You know, yeah. we grew up. <laughs> we grew up. Well, kids, and now you're grown ups and you're leaders. You're leaders. Yeah. It's, I know. It comes full really circle. Incredible. Really incredible. <laughs> so I'm really, really, really glad. So thank you again, Trini, for taking the time, uh, sharing a little bit with us. I hope we could do this again very soon so we could dive a little bit more, uh, maybe even talk, talk a little bit more, which we. I, it went by so quick, but I really wanted to talk about the, you know, the healing that you do and that work and, and the ceremony a little bit more, but we can save that for a follow-up episode. But thank you again, Trini. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. It was great talking to you outside of the issue of the work. <laughs> yeah. I should mention, too, Luis and I have a podcast. It's called The Hummingbird Cricket Hour. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The Hummingbird Cricket Hour, um, you've done quite a few episodes now. People can listen to that and find it wherever they find podcasts. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Till the next time. Mm -hmm. Bye, Trini. Thank you again for joining us. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and follow Tia Chuchas on social media. Please support our online bookstore. You can find the links in our podcast bio. Stay safe, stay creative. Tiawi.